you're a good father. Religion would have us to believe that mean voice is you. Lord, that voice that is oppressive, that voice that speaks lies, that speaks condemnation. But Jesus, the main part of your mission was to set us free from that voice called the devil. And Jesus, I just thank you. I pray right now in this room that a bath of your love and a bath of your goodness would wash over every every heart God and that they would be drawn and they would see that you wish to draw us through love draw us to you through love and not fear not oppression just lift your hearts to him right now your hands your hearts whatever you want to lift to him he's a good good God he truly is he's holy but that doesn't mean that's not something that, you know, religion wants to tell you that holiness cancels out love and goodness, but it's all in this beautiful, beautiful package. Lord, and we thank you for that. He's holy because of how good he is and how much he loves. 
This is Brother James Durham. Come on up and share what you've got today. Bless you, God. It's so good to be with you. Oh, that's kind of... Okay. I have a strong voice, maybe. It's good to be with you, but I'm not happy about the reason. Uh, I love Pastor David, and I don't like to hear any trouble for Pastor David. And so I'm just refusing to get in agreement that he has the flu. I'm saying that the flu is trying to have him, but I'm saying no in Jesus' name. I tell you, in my Bible, it says that God, from the very beginning, said... Take dominion over the earth and subdue it. And he said, I give you authority over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals that walk on the face of the earth, and everything that crawls on the face of the earth. And those um, diseased little things, the viruses and the microbes and all those things, they're crawling on the face of this earth. 
And I'm taking authority from the Word of God right now that we have authority over those things. And Jesus said if we will come into agreement, we can break the power of those kinds of things. So in agreement today, are you in agreement with me? And we just say over Pastor David and anyone else here or watching by web stream, then in agreement we're taking authority over those disease things that are crawling on the face of the earth. And we're saying, stand down. Every disease, bend your knee in the name of Jesus Christ and let our people go. Be gone in Jesus' name and let them be restored instantly to complete health and strength in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? If you have any kind of disease here today, I want you just to reach out and take hold of that because we have taken authority and agreement over those things and just let it go right now in Jesus' name. If you have family members, release it over them. And if you're at home watching WebStream because something is trying to come on you, we say it's illegal for the enemy to send any of those things against you. And we say we don't know where you think you got a legal authority, enemy, but we're taking it back in Jesus' name. Be healed. My Bible says that my God is the God who heals you. My Bible says that by the stripes on Jesus Christ, you were healed 2,000 years ago. And we claim it right now in agreement in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's be a disease-free zone wherever we are. Not just in this building, but wherever we go. Well, um, this weekend, uh, we were gathered here to do something with a small group up in Lamb's Chapel. And uh, a few years ago, the Lord revealed to me in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 that there is authority there for us to have access to heaven. And there are hidden keys in that chapter that open the heavens for us. And it was on the basis of that that I wrote several books that are out here in your bookstore about visiting heaven and about the open heaven. And uh, the Lord revealed to me in that chapter that it, when we come together as believers in Jesus Christ with the Jewish believers, the Messianic believers, that the two of us together become a new creation. And then it says in verse 18 that together with our Messianic believers and the Gentile believers, we have access to the Father with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say to you today, you have access to the Father by the work of the Holy Spirit. To be there in heaven with Jesus and the Father, heaven is open to you. Well, this weekend, because we, we've connected with a Messianic ministry in Israel, and we go there and we minister with them and we stay in touch with them, and we've started to, uh, at, at the Lord's guidance, we've started to honor all of God's appointed times during the year. And the first appointed time he reveals to us is the Sabbath, or in Hebrew, Shabbat. And so we've been uh, honoring Shabbat on a regular basis, but this year the Lord was revealing to us that there are certain Shabbats in the year that are very, very special. Anytime you honor God, he releases blessing to you, releases favor to you. But these are really special times, and this Shabbat, that ended at sundown yesterday is one of those special 
Shabbats. And it's a Shabbat that remembers the red heifer. <laughs> and uh, it's a time of purification with the red heifer. And so we were, uh, we were together meeting and thanking God for this special time of purification of the body of Christ. And this is a season when I believe that God is really cleaning up the church. God is cleaning the body of Christ, and he's shown me that several times. And this is the season for that to happen. So we had such a blessed time together there. And it, next uh, Shabbat is another one of those special ones. So we're in a season of the visitation and presence of God to release glorious things to us. And I want God right now to release some glorious things to you. And uh, so I, uh, I got my Bible out. I kind of go to that source pretty often. And I turned to Numbers, chapter 19, beginning right at the beginning. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, and he may take it outside the camp and be slaughtered there before him. Now, he had to take it outside the camp because this is really an interesting thing, that anybody who touched that heifer was considered unclean. <laughs> and God is going to use something that everybody considers unclean to bring purification. Is that an amazing thought? God just does some strange things like that. Now, it says that when they go out, and they burn this red heifer, the person who has to clean it up is unclean until sundown. And, well, we can kind of understand that. But when they burn the ashes, they're supposed to put some cedar wood, some hyssop, and put some uh, uh, scarlet wool in with it to mix in with it. Now, the person who puts that stuff uh, into it, none of those elements are unclean, but the person who does that is unclean until sundown. And then the person who goes over and picks up those ashes to take them back into the temple is unclean until sundown. I'm thinking, this is wild, isn't it? God is going to do something that makes everybody unclean, and he's going to use that to bring about purification. And God just operates in such an amazing way. It's not logical. It's supernatural. God does supernatural things all the time. And this is supernatural. Now, here's another thing. When you mix those ashes with water and someone needs purification and you put that water on them, guess what? They're unclean until sundown. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, what is with this that you're unclean until sundown? And then I remembered in the Hebrew background, sundown is the beginning of a new day. And it's like God is going to... Uh, Bring about a new beginning for you. And the new beginning will begin at sundown with your purification so that your heart is clean. And I thought back to uh, Psalm 24. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The one with clean hands and a pure heart. But how do you purify your heart? Well, God does that for us, and he's done it for us in a special way. Now, back in the old days... They had to do this red heifer thing, and everybody got unclean in the process until sundown. But we have Jesus Christ, 
And Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, is a purification for us. So we don't just look back at the old law, but we're looking forward to the time of Christ, and we're looking to the time right now when Christ is our purification. Amen? So the Lord gave me some visions. Well, I say visions, but I'm not sure if they were visions or dreams. Has that ever happened to you? you, know, you it's sort of like you're going into a vision, but then you wake up. <laughs> so it was a vision or a dream. I'm not sure. But I was standing on the platform of what looked like a mega church. I mean, this place was huge. Nobody there, but it was a huge place. Over on the right was a table, and it, had, it was set up for communion. So I was pretty sure it was a church and not an auditorium. But they were like here, kind of like two steps down. And I looked down, and there was, a, you know, those mop buckets that you see? They're metal, and they're on wheels. And the janitor at the school used to move that thing around and have to mop the floor all the time. You remember how that water looked? Whew. He's cleaning the floor with dirty water. It's kind of like this purification thing, and he's using something unclean to make the floor clean. And so there was a man walked up with a mop, dipped it in that bucket, and he started mopping the floor. And he was, seemed very content. He was mopping the floor, and he finished, and he looked up, and the Lord said, do it again. He didn't hesitate. He just dipped that mop back in the bucket, and he did it again. And when he finished, the Lord said, do it again. He did it again. Over and over, he mopped that floor. And you think, surely by now, the floor is getting clean. But the Lord's standards were higher. And after a little bit of time, someone came and relieved him and started mopping the floor. And the Lord said, do it again. And then the Holy Spirit said, this is not a mega church. This is the temple in heaven. And this is the Holy of Holies. And some of my people have been coming into my presence with dirty feet. They're coming in and they're not clean, they're not purified. And they're very casual in my presence. And you just can't clean enough when you bring something unclean into the holy place of God. And I started going into repentance for me and for the church. And suddenly, I was in a different vision. Now, some of you are too young to remember these things, but some of you closer to my age. There used to be, you remember those old metal uh, wash tubs <laughs> before they had washing machines and they had a scrub board? Well, here was one of those wash tubs and a scrub board, and there was a woman there, and she was scrubbing clothes on that scrub board, and she was washing real hard. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry, but I don't understand what this means. And he said, my church is about to go through a scrubbing. And when I looked at that scrub board, he said, that's a tribulatum. They're going to be scrubbed through tribulation, those who are not ready. And, I, oh, I went into repentance again. I said, Lord, make us ready. We need to go through this season of purification so we don't have to go through the tribulation and get scrubbed with something so rough as something like that. Wow. Well, that's bad enough, but it got worse. <laughs> then I went into a third vision. And it was like we were in a church and everybody was gathering around a table and they were washing their tongues. That's kind of a bad image, you know? And they were 
but they had to each one come up and scrub their tongue. You know, Jesus said it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of your mouth. They weren't trying to scrub off something that came from the outside, but they were trying to scrub off the residue of something that went forth from the heart, spoken through the mouth that had made them defiled and unclean. And I looked over at that mop bucket with the brown water. I looked back at the table. They had the same water. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is a rough kind of process, isn't it? Wow. But I don't think it's uh, literal, but I think that this was an image of what God is wanting to do with the church. He wants us to clean up our hearts, like in Psalm 24, so we can be in his presence. And some of us are going to need to scrub the tongue because some of the things that we've been speaking with our mouths have defiled our own hearts. And in this season, God wants to purify us because it's a season, as he's been speaking to me, where he's saying, it's time to walk and talk with Jesus. And we need to be in the presence because things are happening in our world right now that we're not going to be able to deal with on our own. We're going to have to be so close to Jesus. And Jesus is releasing something really powerful to us in this season. Well, the Lord didn't let me stop there. I did a kind of advance forward in time to John chapter 2. Jesus' first miracle. And it says in beginning verse 6, Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification. These were the, the pots that held the water and the ashes of the red heifer. And each one was about 20 to 30 gallons large. And Jesus said, Fill the water pots with water. And you know what happened? The water turned to wine. Now I want to tell you, anyone who touched the water pots, guess what happened? They were unclean until sundown. And if you drank from that water pot and you came into contact with any residue left by the ashes of that red heifer, you were unclean until sundown. And so Jesus was doing the same thing. He was using something that would normally be considered unclean to release a purification. And I'm thinking, God is so good that no matter what has happened in our lives, no matter what we've done, right in this season, Jesus wants to purify our hearts. Jesus wants to take care of the sin problem for each and every one of us. And it's a season for us. If we want to walk with Jesus, if we want to be invited into the holy place of God, we need to hear from him and let him do a work in us that may be uh, unpleasant at the time, may be a little rough at the time, but to see that God is going to do a mighty work to clean our hands and purify our hearts. Now, you know, you think about it, you can't really even clean your hands of the things that you've done. If you touch something unclean in that culture, you're unclean until sundown, okay? After you do the purification, you're still unclean until sundown. But I'm telling you, in this day and time, God is saying there's a new beginning for the body of Christ. 
And there's a new beginning for each and every one of us. And he wants to clean us up so that we can be a part of it and we can move with him in this season to accomplish the things for the kingdom because we've entered a time of the great end time harvest, I believe. We're in the days when we need to be out on the highways and the byways leading people to Jesus Christ. And how are we going to do that if we don't have that work of Jesus in us? And this season, he's calling us back, back to a, a, a kind of cleanness, spiritual purification that will make it possible for us to walk and talk with him and minister with him in this season. Now I'm going to fast forward to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 22. And here's some good news. Since you have already purified your souls by obeying the truth through the Holy Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever and ever. Amen? We have been purified if we're born again. And in this season, my heart just keeps crying out. If you haven't been born again, you need to come to the Lord now. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're not sure about that, you need to cry out to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to help you, baptize you with fire so you'll be cleansed and purified, born again so that you can begin to move in accordance with the Word of God in this season. And God is calling us, but the good news is Jesus has already done all the hard work. You don't have to do it. He's already accomplished it for you. And all we have to do is just open our hearts to receive Him. And when He comes in, he will purify the temple in our hearts and he will make us ready to do the amazing things that God has destined us to do. You have an amazing destiny in the kingdom of God and the Lord wants you to be fully equipped, prepared, cleansed, purified, and made able to accomplish it. And I'm praying right now for those of you here and those who are with us by web stream, that God will do a mighty work in you right now, that you will have a visitation from Jesus Christ, a visitation that brings a renewing, cleansing, healing power into your spirit, your soul, and your body to fully equip you and prepare you for the purpose that God has created you. Peter said, you are a chosen generation. And I want to agree with Peter this morning. You are part of a chosen generation. You're not here by accident. You're here because God purposed you to be here. And you're here to accomplish something for his kingdom. And the Lord wants to empower you and to give you the authority to accomplish those things. And at this season, I'm just praying that Jesus would release the water of purification over you. Let the living water flow through you and take away everything that hinders your walk with him. And may the Lord lift you up, clean, refreshed, ready and renewed to accomplish your purpose and reach your destiny in this generation. I pray it. 
I believe it, I receive it in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. There was a man of God once who prayed for hours and hours in his, in his church. And he touched the chairs. Touched the chairs. Just started his ministry. He said, Father God, I don't know where the people are going to come from, but right now I'm going to lay hands on these chairs. That when people come into this building tomorrow morning, they're going to feel your fire, feel your power. Healing is going to come down. Salvations are going to be one for Christ. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he laid hands on the chairs. That somehow the next morning, multitudes of people just started to flow into his church and before he even took the pulpit people started to start screaming and shouting and rejoicing what's going on what's going on? people were getting healed blind eyes were opening can we not take that for our ministry amen can we not receive that so every single thing you do is important feeding the people that come smiling and hugging them and loving on them you don't know that somebody probably hasn't hugged that character for probably years. Somebody hasn't told him Jesus loves him. Somebody hasn't told him that God has been with him every step of the way. No matter how angry you are at me, I will still love you. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. So thank you to everybody. Because this is what will bring revival in this nation willing and able bodies a mighty army that walk in one accord amen shandle let's go to john 16. do you love jesus amen so put a smile on let's see it um yes lord father god i just thank you that you touch us you speak to us father god you took me from continent to continent you brought me from africa to come release your word to your precious saints so father god i heed to you speak through me holy spirit put a coal of fire on my tongue and let the word enter into our hearts Jesus name I pray amen verse 33 these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation okay in him you will have peace and in the world you will have tribulation so tribulation is coming not if or maybe it's coming trouble is a part of life you know I heard something say last weekend that we winners but I've said it before if you want to be a winner you have to be a fighter so nobody was born to win that didn't yet fight first amen so there's a fighting that we need to start growing in our spirits and the mentality of not surrendering Oh, the Lord sent me, brother. Yeah, we'll see in one year who sent you. Oh, the Lord is, the Lord has sent me to help you in ministry, brother. Yeah, we'll see until we have a disagreement. 
Too long in the body of Christ have we had people going around speaking about things and they can't even put their money where their mouth is. And that's why the youth don't want to come to church. They know what's real. Huh? The world can see love. It shines. The world can see when people care for them. They know, oh, this guy is trying to promote his um, religion and his ministry. People can see when it's unconditional because there's a power in it. Amen. So I've come to tell you that uh, the enemy is, doesn't fight by the rules of combat. You know, we always get in church that there has to be rules to think. No, the enemy will give you a low blow. The enemy bites without remnants. He's raging against us. And don't think because you're a child that you don't have to worry. There are children dying today. Go into the graveyard. Hmm? So we're going through these things. But be of good courage because I have overcome the world. So the only way you can overcome anything in life is through Him. The only way you can make heaven is through Him. No negotiations. You understand? So it's just like David Hogan said. If you don't receive Christ, you're going to hell if you die. I heard somebody preaching this message, and you know, it was a wonderful message, but there's one thing I disagreed with. He said, oh, you can't tell people where, uh, you can't ask them, do you know where you're going if you die right now? That's a fear mentality gospel. One of my friends, he was homeless. He said he was living on the street so long, he said he lost dignity. He said he even didn't even used to hide the fact that he ate out of the dustbin. He would sit in front of traffic and eat. <laughs> he said he came to Johannesburg because he wanted to be a rap, a rap artist. <laughs> that never happened. He became a homeless <laughs> hobo. One of the members in our church came out one day in the middle of worship and he was walking past the church and they started to minister to him and they said, If you die right now, do you know where you're going? He couldn't answer that question. They didn't lead him to the Lord right there. He said, as they were done with me, I started to walk. By the time I crossed the first street, conviction came over me and I started to think about, where will I go if I die right now? So, don't go around bashing people's ideas of how they minister to people or the strategies God has given them. There's many different ways to minister to people and win them for Christ. There's no law to it or anything. The only thing that we have to remember is that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no negotiations to that. Buddha won't get you there. Who wants to serve a God who's obese and teaches you self-control anyway? And have you seen these different deities and stuff in India? Those things are ugly, man. Why do you want to bow to that thing? That thing is ugly. It's not beautiful. <laughs> Amen. So we're facing troubles, but the big problem that we have is we look at our situation, not at our God. Amen. So we focus more about what was done to us more than what ought to have happened. Amen. So we've got a problem in the body of Christ where we don't know how to remain faithful to what God has called us to. Because when things start to shake all of a sudden, we see that there's a problem with our foundations. The Word of God said, what can the righteous do if the foundation be destroyed? What can you do? Huh? 
you need to have a strong foundation in Him. You need to be strong because we live in perilous times. There's never been a time in the history of mankind where there's been so many mentally ill people, so many lost souls, spiritually. I heard that they were diagnosing five-year-olds in the United States of America of depression. I didn't even know what depression was when I was 10. <sighs> What's going on? We're watching media and it's telling us things and giving us false hopes and dreams and telling us that we're not good enough until we like the people we watch on the media and we'll never be accepted until we become a rock star or some sort of a, an actor that's debauched anyway and we love them so much and we follow them so much and we love what they do and their movies and their music and we listen to everything they do and they are role models but they've had five wives or six husbands or something and that's what you look up to hmm. So that's why I say, it's like even the youth now, they get in on fire for God, they want to do missions. God's opened the door for Haiti, for us, for the youth to go and start ministering in Haiti. He would not have opened that door if we were just eating sweets and playing games on Wednesdays. No, we get into the gospel. We're training, for, we're training one another so we can affect the world. We want to make a difference. You understand? Going to play soccer with the little children in Africa isn't going to change their lives. Building them a roof or digging them a well, that's, uh, that's wonderful. But people can still go to hell with a nice roof. Amen? So the Lord is trying to tell us that in the revival that I'm bringing to America, it's going to be the unadulterated gospel. And nothing less. Because He wants to show His love to you. And He wants to show His power. And the reality of who he is, is going to be true to the youth of this generation. What's this power of millennialism and whatever, or whatever they want to call our generation? Hey, you'll be surprised what God will use. So even now get ready that there are going to be some people that are going to step on toes because of the power that God's going to bring into this generation. So as the darkness gets darker, I'm telling you, the anointing gets stronger too. Because in this final hour, we know that the latter grain will be greater than the former. Amen. That's why when you get young men that honor the man of God, their ministry will always be double than what that man of God's ministry will be. It has to be. It's a spiritual law. So now you have young people, oh, I'm a pastor now, I'm a teacher. Okay. Then they just go, they do their own thing. 20 years later, they're still in the same place. Because they have no honor. They don't know how to stand when things get rough. So easily offended. It's, it's, it's sad. It hurts me. It hurts my heart that when I see that. It's like you have, you have a nation where women have more rights than probably anywhere else in the world, but they're marching. For birth control. Why don't you learn to have self-control? Stop teaching them birth control. Teach them self-control. Hey, and the only excuse they have is rape. Please, man, come to Africa. We'll show you women that have been raped in mass. My country has one of the highest rape rates in the world. Most of the girls that were over the age of 14, 15 had been raped in the township in South Africa. Most of them. 
And they don't even whine and cry about it. They get born again, covered by the blood of Jesus, washed clean, and they step into ministry, and they start leading people to Christ. They don't need counseling. Jesus didn't say, cancel it out. He said, cast them out. And then all us pastors, we have to sit and listen to your problems for a month of Sundays, because you actually like talking about it. Oh, it's over now. Then you walk past them. They're talking about it to somebody else. Hey, it's not over. You remember it. The Bible says that when God forgives you, He does not even remember. Amen. So we've got to stand. We've got to stand strong. So sometimes, if forgive me, maybe I can step on people's toes. I've noticed I offend people sometimes. But I'm foreign, you know. I never... <laughs> I never heard this gospel where you love the devil out. Demons don't understand love. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. If I'm busy talking to my dog and it doesn't want to listen to me and I tell it to get out and say, please, will you get out of my house? I don't negotiate. I tell it what to do. You understand? Yeah. <sighs> So we've got to have a holy madness over us. I told you the enemy is biting without remnants. When people get together and they practice their witchcraft, they pray longer than the, than the Christians. They play with their death and their bones and their stuff longer than Christians. They love practicing their witchcraft. We don't even like coming to church. What a drag. It's like sometimes you have to like, Tell people, like you actually have to tell them, you know, it might be good for you. You know, it could actually be good. But that's a mystery to them, that church is good for them. Amen. So forgive me, I'm, I'm just, I'm going somewhere. Thank you for saying what you said just now, because it's going to really help the atmosphere. I can see that the Lord is working. Um, Satan wants to separate us. From our creator so I just want to read this thing Daniel 2 verse 22 he revealeth the deep and the secret things he knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him the devil knows our weaknesses he watches us he looks at us like glass some of the saddest thing one of the saddest things that goes on in the body of Christ today is that you'll see people with a power inside of them that they don't even know they have. <laughs> but the witches and the wizards and whatever, they see that, they know, hey, this one's dangerous. Hey. So it's even like sometime when I was a kid on the farms, there's witch doctors and nyangas everywhere. They all practice it. You get high-level ones, low-level ones. They never used to mess with me. I would ride there with my bicycle, six years old. I never had any fear of them whatsoever. At the age of seven, my brother must have been there, 10, 11, they used, to, they used to set snares on my father's farm so they could sacrifice animals and they would leave the animals in the path where the, the Christian campers would come to try and scare them. So they'd cut the eyes out of the monkey or something. We were not scared of those people. We'd go into the woods and we'd break down their traps. And if they come, they must be careful. Because we have a greater power in us. Greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the world. If you don't believe that, don't go do missions. Because you'll be wasted. 
Don't think it's the fashion you wear or what have you that will get you to be a powerful man of God or how you wear your clothes or how you preach or what have you. Don't forget, oh yeah, I put this nice belt around my waist. Yeah, you'll also be wasted with that belt. Amen. Amen. So you've got to know what you have in you, man. There was a time in Africa, I walked into somebody's house to go minister him. He was a witch doctor. He didn't even know what I was there for. Somebody else said, yeah, you must go speak to that person. So we knocked on the door, no answer. I came around and I saw he was there. As soon as he saw us, I know what you're here for. I don't want you here in my house. You will disturb me. You will disturb me. Go. I don't want that here. They know. They see the power. The devils can't stand it. Amen. So the enemy is trying to make us weak and he's using the Lord's blessings in our lives to do it. God does not want to give you something that you cannot maintain. Did you hear that? Oh Lord, please give me this. Oh yeah, he'll give it to you and then you'll forget that you had a relationship with him. Because that thing will probably be better to you than what he is. That thing will probably mean more to you. That car will probably be more to you than what the Lord is to you. He's not going to give you something that's going to destroy your relationship with him. Only the devil does that. Because that's his master plan. He's not concerned with your little sins yeah, and that and stuff. He's concerned with how he can take you out of the will of God. He's concerned. He's interested in your destiny. He wants to take it from you. He wants to steal it from you. He's interested in what God is interested in your life. Not what you're interested in. Wherever God is involved, the devil is there. He wants to find out what's going on. That's why we pray in tongues in Africa, because they don't hear us. Huh? They don't hear us. Don't think that the devils don't have their own tongues too. There was a woman, and a minister from Africa came to England. He prayed for this lady. She spoke a demonic tongue, a white lady, in England. Listen to this. She had 5,000 people under her control because of the tongue that the devil had given her. And she'll sit and do it in church. Incantations from the devil. In the church. Don't think that the enemy is in the bar or in the clubs. He's already finished his agenda. Those people are already done with. He's here. He's working with the threat. He's working with the threat. This is like if you study history and you see, like, you think, well, why did they attack that side of the town? Or why did they go to that city first? Because there's something there that they need to nullify so that the enemy is incapable of fighting. He wants to stop you from fighting. He wants to take your ability away. So God wants to give us maintenance. So anybody can raise the dead or heal the sick. Anybody. But to maintain the power that God wants to give you is another story. Does that make sense? So we want God to bless us. But he knows that the higher the tree grows, the harder the wind blows. And when things start to shake, if you don't have your foundation strong and set, you can't now have a one-story building. Because the foundation that holds the one-story building can't hold two-story or three-story. If there's anybody here who does buildings, I'm sure I'm right. You have to improve the foundation. So however far you go with the Lord, you need a certain level of intimacy. And you can't just get it from, oh, man of God, pray for me. No. How well do you know the Lord? Jesus said, who am I? 
And then they started saying, well, Elijah this and that. And they said, who am I to you? Amen. God wants to know and He wants to ask us all that question. Who am I to you? Hmm? If He really is who He says He is and you know who He is and you're a son of God and you know who you are and you know that He paid a price for you and you know that no weapon formed against you can prosper, you can walk in a whole new boldness. A whole new power of love. Amen? Amen. So who is He to you? What does his name mean? Does it not mean mighty counselor? Wonderful? Is he not our physician? Jehovah Nisi, our banner? Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd? Jehovah Shammah, the one who is present? El Elyong, the strong one who sees? Is he that to you? Or are you just wasted, defeated, and all worn out? Hmm? So yes, we all stumble. I just told you now, we go through battles. We all make mistakes. But are you going to turn your stumbling stones into stepping blocks? Or are you just going to end up being crushed and defeated? Tired. So it's even one of the things I know. You can't do it alone. Nobody can do it alone. I can't do ministry alone. <laughs> this, it's impossible. We are in this together. You understand? That's, there was, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit came down, they were in one accord. So in other words, when JT plays the G note, you'll find that there's other notes in there. Maybe a B, but now if you try and play that B with another note that's not in the G note, you're not in one accord. You're singing out of tune. You're moving out of tune with the Lord. You're not walking in accordance to what God has for you. You understand? So in Africa, it's very easy because everybody knows the songs. They all sing together. So it's easy for the anointing to come into the house because the whole church is involved. They're not sitting there thinking, what, what can church give me today? Yeah, you will sit there for 40 years. <laughs> church is not about convenience. It's about conviction. We don't leave church because times are getting hard. That's probably a good thing. That means, hey, let's stand our ground. Hmm? Let's stand our ground. Let's stand our ground. Fight the good fight of faith. So don't just say, yeah, I'm a winner. Yeah, if you're a winner, you were born to fight then too. And we've got to stop focusing on all the past hurts and the pains and stuff because if you do that, you can't see the future that God has for you. You're only looking at the past. Amen. So they preach a powerless gospel like, oh, you can't forgive people. Jesus said the Lord's Prayer was for those in the Old Testament. That was before He died on the cross. He also said that you have the power to forgive and also to retain sins. So it means also that there's Christians that are operating in witchcraft because they, they call it hurt. They replace the word offense for hurt because they don't want to say they're offended because they know if they're offended, they're out of line. <laughs> it's the truth. So we don't want to give the devil place to offend us. He wants, to, he wants us to get offended. He wants us to slip and slide and fall backwards. He wants us to look at the people that God had put into our life and say, you are not the right person. You don't know what you're talking about. Like those people who try to take on Moses about his wife. Hey, be careful. 
We've got too much to say but too little to do. Sitting in a pastor's, uh, around a whole lot of pastors here in America once, and I heard them, they started mentioning, yeah, there's this man of God who uh, feeds people petrol in Africa. Oh, I knew who they were talking about, so I kept quiet. I said, let's see what they have to say about someone they don't know. So I listened, I listened. Ah, then they started to pick up reports. And then I even look at the people who gave that report. They're not even Christians. They don't even know what they believe. But you listen to what they say about you. They come in, they have the cheek to say things about Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn. They're not even Christians. They don't even know what they believe. You should just tell them to shut up. Just tell the devil to shut up. He's trying to tell you. It's like I would go into the clubs when I was rebellious and party. Oh, it's cool to be a Buddhist, you know, or a Shintoist. Oh, that's cool, brah. Or, or, or uh, a Muslim. Or a confused person or whatever you want. A Confucianism or whatever. <laughs> that's cool, brah. Oh, okay, I'm a Christian. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. How do you know you're not even a Christian? Because the devil knows the word. So I used to know, ah, Jesus is the real God. Because if he wasn't, they wouldn't have a problem with me. But they have a problem with me. Huh? Amen. The devil's doing everything he can to try and bring shame on you. Oh, have you seen some people who are ashamed of the gospel? So I knew I was a sinner, but I knew that that word rang in my ear when I, when I was not right. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. So I thought, well, Lord, my lifestyle denies you. But when these people ask about the true one and only God or what you believe, I'm going to say Jesus. <laughs> I can't deny it. I've seen the power there. What must I say? Must I lie and say I don't believe in those things? No, I do. I believe in Jesus. You can also believe in Jesus and go to hell. But have you accepted him? The devil also believes in Jesus. <laughs> he knows Jesus is real. So we're walking around with offense. And what we don't know, that is what we can, we, if somebody is retaining something, he's carrying that hurt with him. He's carrying that hurt with him. So he thinks, oh, this man of God offended me. I'll go to this church now. No forgiveness, no nothing. Oh, he hurt me. Or they'll even say, ah, oh, I forgave him. But they'll be talking about it for 10 years. They'll come to another man of God. But now with the same foundation that was broken there, they bring that broken foundation into a new relationship. It will never work. It will never work. You don't get this problem in other denominations like we do with the Pentecostals where you get young men and women of God just running away and getting offended. That's why they call us Pente-rascals. No honor. People want to lead before they've learned how to follow. And that was the prayer I prayed. I was like, Lord, one day somebody came into our church in Africa and they wept. They said, I felt the love of God. Sepalang greeted this person. I felt the love of God just from the greeter. And I was like, Lord, in this conference, let people feel your love through our members, through our volunteers. Let them be touched by who you really are. Let them be touched. Let them see that there's true servants of the living God that are willing to pay the price, that are willing to walk the walk. Because when things get tough, the tough get going. They don't say, oh, I think the Lord has another plan for me. Hey. 
Faithfulness and love work hand in hand. You can't tell me you love your wife and then you go with another woman. You are not faithful. You're a liar. Amen. So we have the power inside of us. Now having received the Holy Spirit and being led and directed by Him, you forgive the sins of anyone, you are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. So let me help you understand. There are those that have power and then there are those that have power. So A. Allen told um, Brother Shambok once, there was a possessed girl in the back of a car. Couldn't get her out or whatever. You said, okay, cast it out. Going back into the tent. 30 minutes he came back and Brother Shambok and one of the other deacons were still there kabashing and praying in tongues and saying the name. This thing was not coming out. So Alan just moved one of them outside of the back of the car. He went next to the girl and whispered something in her ear. Hey, that thing came out immediately. Pah! Just whispered something in her ear and he started to walk away. And Brother Shambok said, hey, hey, tell me what you just did. You owe it to me. I've been sitting here for half an hour praying for this girl. I need to know. And he said, I just told that thing who I am. If he lives in you and if you inherit in the kingdom, you have the power to forgive. You have the power to retain. So we mix in our holy water with dirt because we live in an offense and we're carrying it everywhere we go and then we spread in that offense to everybody. Hmm? We spread in that thing. It's just like some people, they th- young people, they tell me it's just casual sex. Yeah, if you think sex is casual, you'll become a casualty. There is no sex that is not a transaction. You will split your soul into fragments and you will be depleted in no time. Amen. And they're not teaching the youth this today. They're teaching them how to get away with sins like birth control or this and that and condoms. You don't need a condom if you have self-control. So we need to preach holiness again. We're not looking for alternatives to get around these things. No, we just don't let these things become a part of our life. Because when we gave our life to Jesus, we let it all go. That's why I love that song, The Cross Before Me and the World Behind Me. It means I don't need to see that nonsense anymore. That is my old man. And you're a man of God. He was determined. They took him to court for something that he did when he was younger. But he got born again. He said, no, I don't know that guy. I don't know that person. (laughs) Why? Because he's changed and he believes it with all his heart that he is not that person anymore. And we just counsel people and we we tell them it's all right. It's it's not all right. You just need to accept Christ. Instead, I don't have anything against counseling. I counsel people every week. Understand? But there's a level where we just start to just... We start to promote this thing and say, oh, it's all right, it's all right. No. We want God to bring power in your life and to set you free. It's not all right that you're going through these things over and over and over. It's like around the mountain we go again. It's because He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're so easily offended. And this nation is rife, man. I see, oh, put a, you, you put a joke there and maybe they'll joke about something 
this man that, that woman that, or that. And then people will have something to say, like, wow, it's like that person was serious. And they're like, that's just a joke. And then the same people will go and post something else on Facebook. Exactly the same thing. I'm thinking to myself, what a bunch of hypocrites. Because we're so focused on what we think is right and wrong. Just because there's a whole crowd going that way does not make it the right way. Do you guys hear me? I told you that before. Just because everybody else is going down that road, that is not the right road. So you can argue with me what you believe in. What you believe in doesn't matter. His truth marches on. And there's one thing time will never change, and that's Him and His truth. It doesn't matter what you believe. He's the only way. So I won't even argue anymore. i say, okay, come to me when you want help. That's what I say in my spirit. <laughs> I just I think to myself, because oh, my. then you start to argue with them, and then you get angry and you get fleshly. Why must you argue with them? Don't cast your pearl to the swine. Bees don't land on closed flowers. That's why the Bible says, no man comes to me except the Spirit who sent me. Draw them. Sometimes I look at somebody and see, ah, this one's been drawn now. Now's the time to give them the gospel. Some people, they're just there to fight and torment you and make you feel like you believe in something false. It's like all these people who believe in Darwinism and all this junk. The guy even admitted it was just a hoax before he died anyway. And they're teaching this in Western civilization. It's a faith. It's not science. There's no proof of one animal ever changing to another kind. All these metabolic organisms and stuff, they're still organisms, dude. Oh, well, this guy studied these finches on this one island, and some of them, their beaks are changed. They're still finches. Even if it changed into a hawk or an eagle, maybe. But I want to see maybe a lizard coming to something, you know. So don't tell me that we are the ones who have a religion. Well, you are religious too. And they say, well, I, I believed in this stuff until I started to think for myself. Okay, then who were the ones that even started to teach it? They don't even know the professor's, name, the professor's names. At least we know the apostles' names. At least we know St. Paul. And we know what he taught. At least we know Esther. And we know Daniel. And we know Moses. And we know Lord Jesus Christ and who he is to us. All the other gods are dead. His tomb is empty. And whether you believe it's a hoax or not, that's too bad. We'll find out in the end. But you better hope that I'm wrong. Because if you're wrong, you've got a long time in torment. And think, how can the God of love send me to hell? Hey, love is not forceful. You can't force things. It's just like in ministry. You, can't, you don't tell ministry what to do. Ministry tells you what to do. So you want to force things around? Okay, God is not like that. He's loving. He gave you free will. This is your life. You choose to serve Him or not. Amen. You're either in or you're out. Understand? So sometimes we've just got to know, okay, let them go. Because God can't promote you if certain characters are still in your life. God will not promote some of us until we get rid of some of the other things in our life. Amen. We've got to be clean pure, without offense, unblemished. They used unblemished heifers in the Bible. Unblemished lambs. Why? Because he was without sin. And that when he died on the cross and his blood covered us, when the Lord looks at us, he sees us as clean, washed holy. 
So now we step back into these things that are of our past and we still think it's all right. It's not all right. And people always want revival. Man, we experienced revival last weekend. Why? Because the love of God was flowing. And because there were people that were serious about what needs to be done in this nation. People that are serious about walking the walk. Amen. Praise His wonderful name. JT, can you come up, brother? And Helen, too. Come up. And we've got to remember who we are. You've got to remember that when you retain a sin, you hold people in bondage. You're using witchcraft. And you're taking it to other ministries. You're taking it to your family. And you're letting all that bad baggage become a part of people, other people's lives. Evil speaking is going on in the church. You're working for the devil. Heaven is against evil speaking and what we say about our brethren. It is disallowed. It's in the word. Evil speaking. Don't just think, oh, if you say a bad word. It's also about how you come and tell a story to somebody. There's an agenda there sometimes. I don't want to say anything bad, but um, this guy, you know, let me just tell you this. I think you need to know, sister. Hey, do I? Love covers. The one who was cursed in the Bible was the one who exposed Noah. The other two went in backwards and they covered the sin. The Lord wants to cover our sin. And He wants us pure. And He wants us ready and serious that when we give our word, that we'll go. I told the Lord, I'm not going into ministry because your word says that the kingdom of God is, in, is not in word alone, but the demonstration of power. Show me your power, Father God, and I will go into ministry for you. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord. The Bible says, come with your reasonings, reason to the Lord. Supplication, that's the word. You supplicate. You present your case between you and the Lord. You present your case. I present my case to Him. Smith Wigglesworth did it. He said, well, Lord, if you want me to go into ministry, you better make sure that you look after me better than my plumbing business does. Because if my plumbing business uh, looks after me better than you do, I'm going back. Not once did he ever lack. Not once was the coat that he wore on his back worse than the one that he had when he was running his plumbing business. We need to demonstrate the power of God. We need to take it seriously. We don't think we can just go into places and do it once. Have you been sent? Has God sent you? Because God's sending a lot of us, but sometimes we just go where we want to go because it suits us. Those that know me know that when America opened up for me, I did not want to go to the United States. I didn't want to preach to rich children. I wanted to go to Burma or Myanmar or Mexico. I wanted to go to the broken and the lost. I wanted to give my life. I was so radical for the Lord. I I didn't care if I lived a life like St. Francis. I was like, what else is there? And it's the same for all of us. What else is there but Him? There's nothing else. There's not, I haven't met one person that's not serving the Lord, like my age or lower, that's not depressed. If they're not serving the Lord, they're all depressed. The devil is such a good liar, man. He has to be for them to stay like that and then see life and see people happy and know that they've got something that they don't have and not even go for that. He's a liar. 
and he's lying to us about who we are and what we're capable of. He's trying to take our relationship away from us. He doesn't want you close to the Lord. He wants you to mumble and grumble and oh, oh, yeah. So people even say we're doing things by faith. But while you're doing that by faith, you're stressing. That's not faith. You can't stress and say we're going for this by faith and then we stress. It means you're not relying on God, you're relying on your own ability. So we've got to have a steadfast faith, adamant faith, to stay with the one who we gave our lives to. To be promised to Him and Him alone. He doesn't want just a bit of your heart, He wants your whole heart. He wants all of it. <laughs> no negotiations, He wants all of it. He wants it now. And no other time, he just wants it now, now, now. He wants you so much. He loves you more than anybody else can love you. But we forget who we are. We forget that, oh, we gave our lives to the Lord and now we are bride of Christ. We forget what we've been called to. We forget what the word says, that the word says we will go through trials and tribulations. We will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Not if, it happens. I grew up around ministers. I've seen them come and go. I've seen them rise and fall. Don't have faith in your situation. Have faith in your God. Have faith in God. Jeremiah 2 verse 32. Let's just stand ready for the Lord to start ministering to us. Pastor David said from now on every time the message comes out and the word comes out of this pulpit everybody's going to have an opportunity to be engaged by the message and have an opportunity to receive from the Lord. So we, got, we, we spoke about meditation Bobby Connor spoke about it. We don't know the word the way we should do and we find ourselves doing things we don't want to do because the word is only here and it's not here. But you're thinking, you'll read to it, but I knew that and I still went and I did that thing that I didn't want to do. It's because your thought process won't change your conduct or your character. It's the heart that engages the character and the conduct. Amen. Sing, O barren woman. Sing, O barren woman. It doesn't say sing because you have now reaped a harvest or because the Lord has showed up. It says sing, O barren woman, means you start praising the Lord when times are tough. You start praising the Lord when there's famine. You start praising the Lord when nothing looks good because where there is no way, He will show you that there's a way. That's what the anointing is. It breaks the backbone of the power of the devil. It breaks the yoke. It takes a relationship and a heart cry from the Lord. It takes an intimacy. So yes, there's a certain level of mystery when the engagement comes and He calls you. There's a mystery there. But for us to bear fruit, we have to go behind the doors. Because when the marriage gets consummated, the fruit of that marriage gets to show. The reason why some people have no souls being one for Christ in their ministry is because they're not intimate with the Lord anymore. 
The reason why the church is so dry is because we are not intimate with Him. We have not consummated things. So the word revelation means revealed. Brother, I had a revelation. It means revealed. You can only get true revelation with intimacy. With a love for the Father. With being in His presence. Praying. And if you love the Lord, you'll love every single soul that He puts before you. Because every single one of you are precious to Him. So a lot of people will say to you, yes, my wife, she was a mystery. But when I consummated the marriage, there were things about her I know that none of you know. There's things about God that I know that other people don't know. There's things about God that some of you that have had that intimate time with Him, you know things people don't know. Because it takes a relationship. And our God is a God of relationship. Now having begun in the Spirit, do we now fall back to these things, the flesh or the law? So relationship starts with the Lord. So if you struggle with relationships, you're struggling to walk a godly walk. Because our God is a God of relationships. He had relationships from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And He wants to have a relationship with you. And He wants to consummate some things with us. Can a maid forget her ornaments? Or a bride her attire? You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I had to let go of some people. I had to say goodbye to some things. Don't tell me if there's anybody here that's had a long and successful marriage, that when you got married, you had to say goodbye to some friends. Do you think when you went on your honeymoon or you wanted to consummate your marriage, was your friends there in the house? No, you'll kill that person. You've got to let go of some people if you want to have a relationship with the Lord. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? So the ring has come. We, 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 we would love to show off our ring. But the ring is only there because he saw your heart. The ring is not the thing that measures whether the relationship will be successful or not. The one girl told me, I got good big standards. Oh, okay. So the size of your ring will prove to you how good your marriage is. Money can't buy love, sister. The ring is not there because it's for Jesus to see. The ornaments are not there for Him to see. It's so that everybody else can see, Hey, this one, it belongs to me. You belong to Him. He bought you with a price. But yet again, we wake up some mornings and we forget we're married. We, we wake up some mornings and we forget who we're married to and who we belong to. find ourselves in the bed in, in the wrong bed because we forgot who we gave our lives to we forgot who we promised ourselves to we forgot and God wants to bring into remembrance who we are as a body of Christ in this nation and this church is going to go far because of our heart for the Lord because there's a remnant left that are willing to go the way. And the enemy 
doesn't like it. So that's why I brought this message. I wanted to let you know that he loves you so much, but the devil is doing everything he can to take you out of his presence, to take you away from his glory, to let you know that you're not good enough. He wants you to fail and stumble and never get up again. He wants to take that substance out of you. So don't forget who you are. Can a maid forget her ornaments? What is a maid? A maid is a virgin. That's the direct translation. Maidens are virgins. But some virgins had the doors closed to them because they never kept a fire burning. They never kept the oil in their lamp. Now is the time. We can't forget about who we are. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Some of us have forgotten the Lord, forgotten what He did for us. Days without number. We forget who we are sometimes. You see the reality of the situation that we're facing in the Church of America today? That the only hope we have right now is a pure life, a holy life, consecrated to the Lord. Because He's not going to use defiled things. He's not going to have dirty feet coming into His temple anymore. My people have forgotten me days of that number. So if there's anybody here who wants a touch from the Lord... I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever the Lord spoke to you. So if you guys can just, the youth can just come forward here in a line. So it's very easy to follow the Lord when everything's hunky-dory. Everything's going well. But it's in the hard times that we prove our sonship. You prove you're a son when you're going through hard times. You prove you're a son when nothing's working your way. But you say, Lord, I bless you. I give you my life. That's how you prove your sonship. So there are many things we're going through right now. We hate it so much. But we don't know these are the things that are going to help us stand when the time comes for the Lord to really use us the way He wants us to be used. We have to go through these things because a lot of learning comes by experience. Experience. Some people can tell me, oh, I don't believe in that or that doesn't work. I'm like, okay. I won't even argue because I've experienced it. So like, even for me to argue, I get in the flesh. I've already experienced it and I know He's lying anyway. So it can't not be true. Have you ever seen a devil come out of somebody who's been involved in homosexuality? When it comes out straight and it speaks. My dogs hid under my bed. Usually they're the first things to attack anything that comes in the house. But when that thing started to talk, yay! God wants his power back in the church. And to get power, 
it comes with consecration. It comes with faithfulness. People that remember who they are, many can claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person, who can find him? That's why Jesus had to come. My people have forgotten me days of Fadna. For 400 years, nobody heard the word of the Lord. From the days of Mark until Jesus, nobody had seen a miracle. 400 years, he had been silent. And he had not spoken to his people. We will not forget who we are. And complicity is not negotiable. God will not use you the way he wants to use you. There's things that are going on in the world that the church will never stop because it's a part of what's happening before Jesus comes. So there's our part and there's things that are going to take place like wars, famines. It was prophesied. It's already been taking place. People have also told me, oh, we're still waiting for the greater works. Go read about St. Patrick. St. Patrick is not an excuse to get wasted. He was one of the most mighty men of God that ever walked the earth. That when he stepped on island, snakes fleed. That he would win souls for Christ. He would win entire factions. Kings would give their lives to the Lord. He raised a prince from the dead that was six months in the grave. He didn't say anything. He wrote his name on the tombstone. Amen. So there's things that are coming, but it's going to take people that have a value for souls. Take people that are going to take that one talent and turn it into many. Take people that aren't going to complain. Oh well, I'm in the desert. Yeah, they also put David in the devil, the desert. He became so prosperous that when the Amalekites came to invade, they went to Ziklag. So it means there was prosperity there by the time he was done with that place. So don't complain, there's no prosperity, there's nothing here. What is inside you? God wants people like that. I just want to read something for you. Um, I want to read to you the beginning of how World War II started and how it could have been avoided. The opening shots were fired in 19... I'm not starting from 1940, I'm starting from 1931. Where people that had the ability to do something did nothing. And the opening shots were fired in 1931 when Japan launched its Kong Yongtong army into Manchuria. In March 1936, Hitler marched into the demilitarized zone, the Rhineland, which was demilitarized after World War I. He marched right into it. He's, it was his biggest gamble. There was no other gamble. He did not have the military to fight the French or the British. They just stood and watched as the Nazis rolled into the Rhineland. Should I continue? <laughs> Hitler himself said 48 hours after the march, those 48 hours he said was the most nerve-wracking of his life because he knew what the enemy could do if they stopped him. During the Spanish Civil War, there was a feeble response to the situation. Neither France, Britain, or the United States did anything. Roosevelt banned the shipment of weapons to either side. It had to take, it had to take a coalition. 
the people that went to fight in the Spanish Civil War and we still lost. And we never had to lose that war to the fascists. We never had to lose it. But it was complicity. Ford General Motors, Firestone and other US businesses provided the fascists with equipment, believe it or not. Um, Texco Oil Company provided Franco with oil. Franco triumphed in the spring of 1939. 1937 full-scale war erupted in China. In December of 1937 with the Chinese army on full-scale retreat, the Japanese army entered Nanking and brutalized the citizens, killing and raping between 200 to 300,000 men and women and children in a few days. People were slaughtered and massacred. And the international community did nothing. Don't think UN is united. They basically got their binoculars out and their popcorn and watched the Rwandan people slaughter each other. They did nothing about it. What are you going to do when there's nobody there to help you? What are you going to do if you get caught up in a nation where genocide starts to take place? Jesus is going to say, who am I to you? There's going to be people walking around and they're going to be saying, I know a guy. How did you do that? I know a guy. The international situation deteriorated further when the diplomatic annexation of Austria took place and the dismembering of Czechoslovakia and the giving and giving Germany the Czechs the Dayton They just signed it over. The British Prime Minister said at the time that the deal had bought peace in our time. He said that it had bought peace. This is the politicians we look up to sign things away to the enemy, gave the Sedatenland to him. It was only when he marched into Poland that they actually declared war. It was already too late by then. The Nazi war machine was stronger. So there's a time to take the enemy out. That's why you don't let the fort grow. You kill it while it's still early. You don't let the weeds grow. You pull them out. Um... The international community did nothing to stop the atrocities of late 1938 when an orgy of violence was let loose in the Sudetenland. It brought peace in our time. As soon as those stormtroopers and SS people walked into there, they let the locals, not German people, they let the local people in the town loose on the Jews. In Ukraine they did the same thing. The anti-Semitic, the anti-Semitism that was so powerful in those days. <laughs> Most of the German army didn't even have to do a lot of the dirty work. It was the so-called Catholics and Christians and Protestants. God's people. Murdering innocent women and children. Peace in our time. And you have people watching the news day in and day out. It's already been proven to you that they don't, that it's not news, it's lies. They're lying to you. Why are you watching this? By the end of World War II, 60 million people to 65 million people had died. Including an estimated 27 million Soviets, between 10 million to 20 million Chinese. 6 million Jews over 6 million Germans, 3 million non-Jewish Poles, 
2.5 million Japanese and 1.5 million Yugoslavs. Austria, Britain, France, Romania, Hungary, Italy and United States each counted a quarter million and a half dead. The devil is trying to wipe us out. He's trying to bring destruction and hate. But it starts with keeping you away from what the, the Lord wants in your life. It starts with that. Why should we have Winston Churchills? If the church is operating the way it should be. Amen. And the Lord is going to use some mighty people in the government. And he already has shown us that last week we saw it. That God has been using us in this nation, in the, in the White House. There's a woman of God who apparently seen Donald Trump every week now. He's seen her. I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name or not, so I won't. Because she's very well known. But she goes to see President Trump almost every week to give counsel. Praise God. Praise God. Do you, do you guys remember what, what you just came out of the last eight years? You just came out of that? God has given us a season and a time to do what we need to do in this nation. And it's going to happen. And the devil's not going to stop us because we got the power. And we've got a name that is above every other name and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So Father God, we just thank you for revealing to us the reality of who we are to you. The sacrifice that it takes, Lord Jesus. So Father God, we just thank you that you touch us. Draw us closer to you, Lord Jesus. Let's all just pray in tongues a bit, quickly, before we start laying on hands, before we come up for prayer. Jesus. Don't let me do it alone. Don't let me do it alone. Oh Jesus. No more pressing down. No more the enemy pursuing you. Now it's time for you to pursue your pursuers. No longer do the princes run in the dust behind the horses. The Lord says it's time for you to get that servant of the horse and take back what's yours. If there's anybody who's going through a hopeless case, now is the time. He is the one who makes a way where there is no way. I see there's somebody watching over the airlines right now. Your husband left you this week. The Lord says he's coming back. He does not belong to the devil. His life is going to change and he's coming back. He's coming back home. The Lord's bringing him back home right now. You think there's no way. You think there's no hope for your marriage. The Lord is restoring it in the name of Jesus. Amen.